Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. All right, welcome to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today. Thanks so much for joining us on this wonderful, beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Appreciate all you being here. We're live here on WYSL until 2 p.m. And, of course, live on all the streams, uh, Free Solution Facebook page, Free Solution YouTube channel, the Kevin Wilson page, the Kevin Wilson Twitter page, wherever you are. Thank you so much for being here. And we have a guest on the line today, too. We have uh, Jonathan Howe, who's running for Congress in New York's 14th Congressional District. Is that right, Jonathan? That's correct, Kevin. Nice to meet you. Great to meet you. And, you know, your your Twitter caught my attention, not only because you're a libertarian candidate running for Congress in uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's district, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I, I lived in her district before the maps were, re- were redrawn, and now after the maps have been redrawn twice more, uh, I still live in her district. So that's where I'm running. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. Voters aren't sure where they're going to end up being and what candidates they're going to vote for still. We don't, we don't know if we're even going to be able to successfully do June primaries for the ones that are supposed to have that. Yeah, um, uh, it, the, the, the interesting thing, and obviously we'll get into this, but the, the Democrats and Republicans are going to be fine. Um, all the ones who got their signatures, got enough signatures to get on the ballot in their original petitioning period, they get to choose which district they now want to run it. So if they got the whatever 1,100 signatures they need, they can say, oh, I'll run in this district or that district, uh, whichever one. Uh, and if they didn't get enough, if they failed to get enough signatures to get on the ballot, uh, as a result of the court ruling that we're going to be discussing in a moment, um, they actually get a second chance. If you didn't get enough, they can try again in one of the new districts in a new petitioning period. Uh, and it, it, it's really just absurd. Amazing. So Republicans and Democrats get a redo because, well, they're the, the parties in power, right? But what is what does this look like for independent candidates like yourself, the ones who have to carry the independent nominating petitions? Yeah, so let me just give a little bit of a background. I don't think most people have have experienced the petitioning process before. I had not. Um, In order for any candidate to get on the ballot, essentially, you need to get a certain number of signatures. If you're in a recognized party, like the Republicans, the Democrats, I think there's one or two others now, um, you need to get something like 1,200. It's 1,100 or 1,200 signatures. They need to be from members of your party. And if you get that many and they're confirmed and they're real, you get on the ballot or you get on the, uh, the primary. Uh, for independent candidates, so parties that are not recognized by the state of New York, and that includes the Libertarian Party now for, for a number of reasons. They made it much harder to, to qualify is one reason. Uh, but the Libertarian Party is one, and I'm a member of the Libertarian Party. So any independent candidate or third party that's not recognized, you need to gather 3,500 signatures. They can be from any registered voter within the district, but you need to get 3,500 instead of the, the I believe, 1,200 that the uh, Republicans and Democrats need. Uh, and the other thing is the Republicans and Democrats, they get a six-week period to go and get their signatures. And then when that ends, we get a six-week period to go get our signatures. Um, and there's some advantage to that, both in that like people who have signed theirs cannot sign mine. Uh, so you know, if you sign one, you can't sign one for, for another person. And what ended up happening this time is the, uh, this, the 
got to go until April 18th, uh, and we started on April 19th gathering signatures. So I have been out every single day between April 19th and, and this new court ruling on, on May 11th getting signatures. I have gathered over at least 500 just myself, uh, and my campaign has gathered well over 1,000. And we, we were on track with days that I had planned off and volunteers I had coming into the city to help me out. We were on track to get the 3,500 that we needed. Uh, but then on May 11th, uh, the court that had struck down the, the district as gerrymandered, they, they put out a new election calendar and a new court order. And they said if you're an independent or you're a third party and you're in the middle of gathering signatures, those are all thrown out. They no longer count. You have to start over. On May 21st, you can start over and you can go get the 3,500 signatures again. Uh, and as I explained earlier, if you're a Republican or Democrat who got enough, you can just choose which new district you want to run in. If you're a Republican or Democrat who did not get enough, you can try again. And not only can you try again in one of the new districts, but they actually get a 10% discount. So instead of needing the 1,200, it's something like 1080 that they need to get now. Um, so it is a clearly like, – like, I, I cannot – I don't think I need to explain how it's unfair. I mean, they get a second bite of the apple, even though they are the ones, you know, the Democrats are the ones guilty of doing this. They're the ones who caused this trouble by gerrymandering the maps in the first place. And yet all their candidates get now a second bite of the apple and an easier second bite of the apple, whereas all third-party candidates for New York State Senate and U.S. House, which are the two sets of maps thrown out, all independent candidates for all of those got totally shafted. Um, I... I I cannot believe that this is this is a story that has not gotten a huge amount of attention. Uh, but you know, obviously there's been a lot of other stuff going on, so it really has not. But this doesn't just affect me and my 1,000 voters who, you know, have been disenfranchised. Uh, but it affects every third-party candidate for U.S. House and New York State Senate in the entire state. All of them have been told to start over. All of them were midway through the petitioning process of gathering these signatures, which is not easy. Uh, and none of us have money to pay people to do it like the, the big parties do. We're out doing it ourselves. Uh, you know, we had to take, you know, I had to take a ton of time off of work. And as a public defender, you can't just take work off, you know, whenever you want to. You have to schedule cases well ahead of time. You have to schedule trials and hearings. And I, I scheduled around the petitioning period that we were told about in January, you know, April 19th for six weeks. Uh, it's going to be impossible for me to take any more time off uh, to do this during the new petitioning period because, because I was taking so much time off in, in April and May. My June is now filled with trials, so I, it's just not something I'm going to be able to do. So, but, and this, I'm sure this is true of the other candidates. You know, we all work full-time jobs. We don't make money running as candidates. We actually spend a lot. Uh, and I cannot see any way that you know, any of these third-party candidates with, with very little funding are going to be able to just start over. Uh, you know, take the time off, gather their volunteers again, all of that. Uh, you know, money was spent on this. We, we have very limited funds. Uh, so they, they've essentially guaranteed that the vast majority of third-party and independent candidates for U.S. House and New York State Senate will not be on the ballot this year unless there is some further order, some remedy from this court, and we, we are asking for that. Uh, but unless there is, you are only going to see the two options on the ballot this year for those races. Yeah. I mean, again, it's you're right. I wish this had received more coverage because it's a shock. Again, it, it directly damages independent candidates. And, you know, unfortunately, like the the people who write about politics tend to pay a lot less attention to third party candidates, the libertarians, the greens, the others. And, and these situations are why we have a rigged system in New York State. Um, and, you know, again, I, I've done this before quite a bit. You know, just folks who've listed the show, you know, like I ran for Congress in 2020 when there's a 
little bit easier. I just had to go and collect like a hundred libertarian signatures. That wasn't bad mm-hmm. at all. But I've gone and collected for Larry Sharp before, for Senate, uh, state Senate candidates, for Assembly candidates. When Tony Drazio ran for Congress in mm-hmm. what, like 2014, we, we we collected signatures for him, um, and it is tough work. So to have all of that work erased, or if you're one of the candidates who did pay petitioners, to have all of that your resources wiped out. And still not being able to get on the ballot, it's it's devastating. So, I mean, do do you think there's going to be like any meaningful resolution to this in time for you to have like a meaningful re- remedy, right? Because you know we do have primaries coming up, we do have ballots that are going to be printed within a few months, and we've seen cases in the past related to Libertarian Party ballot access, like the uh, um, what was it the the 2010 gubernatorial race where it's determined that we did have enough votes to, to get party access but it was too late by the time the case was resolved it took years yep uh, well let me say one thing uh ballot access in in every every one of these races is determined by what the gubernatorial candidate gets uh, determ- mm-hmm. you know uh whether the gubernatorial candidate gets enough votes in november will determine whether uh, the libertarians get ballot access so i want to make one thing clear because i know people who listen to the show are familiar with larry sharp uh, this does not affect his campaign. This does not affect his petitioning time. Uh, right. His so the, the statewide do. candidates, they're still on the same schedule. Exactly. And and that's one of the things. So I, I filed a, a, an affidavit in support of Mark Brayman's uh, intervention in this case, which is scheduled for next week to be heard next week. Um, you know, essentially saying, like, look, like, Larry is also hurt by this. You know, all our statewide candidates are hurt by this because my volunteers, who are now not as enthusiastic to go out and work for you know Larry, they're they, they're out because they know me and they want to support me. They're not out right now as as enthusiastically collecting for Larry. I'm not out right now, you know, collecting for Larry. I'm, I'm doing interviews and I'm trying to get attention to the, to this issue. And the whole purpose of my campaign was to try to get Larry Sharp more attention in Queens and the Bronx, where, where this district is, and try to get the Libertarian Party more attention in Queens and the Bronx and spread the message, that kind of thing. Uh, so if you're listening to this and, and you think there should be more than two options on any ballot, uh, you need to go to LarrySharp.com, print out his uh, petitions, get your whole family to sign, any registered voters you know, and you got to mail them in. And, and the, the deadline is really getting close. It's like 12 days away, but you know, we have to have them in before then. They have to get mailed, all of that. Uh, so if you have not filled out a petition for a statewide third-party candidate, whether it's Larry Sharp or Howie Hawkins or whoever you like, like you got to do that now. Um, their deadline is not extended. Uh, I know that they're they're filing motions and they're trying to get their deadline extended, but we should not assume that it will happen. Um, so if you like, this is what really matters. If you want to see third parties in the future, not just this year, uh, we need to get them on the ballot now so that they can get the votes in November to carry on into the future. Um, so just a call to action there. And I may have forgotten what your question was because I got, I got distracted by that. Well, no worries. I, you know, I, I was curious if you thought we might get a resolution to this in time. But if, if you don't mind hanging on for at least a little bit more of the next segment, oh, sure. uh, we'll, we'll finish up this conversation. Thanks again, folks, for joining us here on A Free Solution. We're going to be back in just a few minutes. Talk to you soon.
your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovations should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. Oh, those injury attorney ads. Heard on your couch? Call 555-OUCH. It's kind of cute watching that injury attorney buying breakfast for a crash test dummy, but while fun is fun, there's nothing amusing about getting your life back together after a personal injury or a motorcycle accident or when you need defense for a DWI charge. Christopher Johnson takes your case seriously, and you'll feel like you're his only client because when you meet with him, your case gets 100% of his attention. So instead of cute singing jingles and magic phone numbers... Fall out of a tree? Call 33333. Write this number down and keep it with you. 585-415-3803. 415-3803. After all, Christopher Johnson knows you're no dummy. Get individual attention and integrity, experience, and expertise. Put the power of one on your legal team. 415-3803. Stay safe, be healthy, drive sober. Christopher Johnson, attorney, personal injury, car or motorcycle accidents, DWI defense. It hot- As a veteran of the United States military, I can finally get the opportunity to enjoy special events, things that we couldn't afford, thanks to VetTix. Every empty seat at a concert, a game, or a play is a missed opportunity to say thanks to a veteran and service member. We can give our veterans a special event where they, too, can create their own cherished memories. Visit VetTix.org. Find out how you can make a difference in a veteran's life. Available in the WYSL store at WYSL1040.com. Official top quality tees, hoodies, and coffee mugs depicting the colorful WYSL logo or the already famous Mount Worstmore line of merch depicting Mount Rushmore style are for worst presidents. Of course, you know who is front and center up on that mountain. WYSL official items make perfect gifts, or they're a great way for you to make a personal statement. Locally produced and sold only in the WYSL store at WYSL1040.com. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Willis, your host today. Thanks so much for joining us. Again, we're live here on WISL until 2 p.m. And, of course, live on our online stream, the Free Solution Facebook page, Free Solution YouTube channel, the Kevin Wilson page, the Kevin Wilson Twitter account, wherever you're listening today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of our show. And we have a guest today, of course, uh, Jonathan Howe, who's a libertarian candidate running for Congress in New York 14. And we're talking about uh, New York State uh, throwing out uh, the petition signatures that have been gathered. Uh, and, and before we, we continue this discussion, I just, I just want to you know remind the listeners from the Rochester area that Larry Sharp is going to be 
in this area. He's going to be at Nashville's and Henrietta on Friday evening. And uh, that's a good place, too. You, you should print out those petitions and get everyone in your family. But you can't witness your own petition signature. So if you need to have someone witness your signature, that's a great event to do it. So Nashville's Friday evening in Henrietta. I think at 6 p.m. is when the event starts. Uh, so, Jonathan, the, let's let's continue the, discussing this again. You know, are we are we going to get a resolution here in time? And you know, what can what else can folks do uh, besides you know, if they live in your district, sign your petition when you have to to do it again? What else can folks do um, to make sure that we we fight this? I mean, what what folks need to do, honestly, is is bring attention to this. You need to call your local paper. You need to call your local news station. You need to tweet your your favorite uh, journalist. I mean, you are the second person to have me on to talk about this, and and it, it happened a week ago. It happened just a, a week minus three hours ago uh, is when all of this happened. And I have reached out to every news organization I can think of in every way I can think of, and I've gotten absolutely no response. The only person who covered it was Jordan Cheriton from Status Coup, which is a, a far-left uh, YouTube channel. Um, uh, I had a connection through through a friend in the Green Party, Edwin de Jesus, and, and he said, you know, message him, and he, he did an interview with me, and he, he covered it, and literally no one else has, has said a word about it. And it's not about me. Again, this is not about my campaign specifically. There are dozens and dozens of third-party candidates. Uh, Gil Obler, uh, the, I believe he's the chair of the Green Party of, of Manhattan, uh, he's running for Congress, and, and this is affecting him. Uh, Mark Brayman, upstate, uh, uh, Howard Raven, uh, out in Long Island, all, this affects all of them. Uh, we're all having our work totally undone. Uh, as far as the timing, will there be uh, you know, enough time? Will they fix this in time? I mean, I think it's 50-50 whether they issue any remedy at all. I think there's a 50% chance they're just going to say, nope, start over, 3,500 signatures, all the same rules, but you have to throw out your votes and your signatures and start over, and none of those count. Um, I think there's a 50% chance that we get some kind of relief, uh, meaning they say, okay, start over, but you don't need to get as many. Like, you only need 2,000 or something like that. Right. If they do that, maybe. Like, maybe we'll see a little bit of, you know, uh, alternatives on the ballot. Maybe a few of us will make it on the ballot, but it's still going to be very, very hard. Again, we all planned around this. We were given, you know, these dates, you know, months ahead of time, uh, and that is the official, you know, New York election. We all followed the rules, and we are the ones who get shafted. And again, the the people who cheated, you know, the 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 Democrats specifically in this this case, who who cheated and drew illegal maps, you know, that even Democrat judges all agreed were were illegally and unconstitutionally drawn. They all get the second bite of the apple. So. Even if they do give a remedy to third parties, I, I still think that the way that this has been handled is grossly unfair. Uh, and, and people just seem more interested in gossiping over the new district lines than they do in the fact that all third-party candidates for these offices have been you know, disenfranchised. And all their voters, thousands of voters who thought, I am signing a document that will help get a third option on the ballot, all those people are, still believe that they signed that document and that their signature matters for something because no one has reported on the fact that they've all been disenfranchised. The last, one of the last people to sign my petition before I got the news about all this was a woman who told me, oh, I'm very sure of where I registered to vote, because I lived in Brooklyn in uh, 2016, and I went to vote, and I wasn't on the voter rolls anymore. I was one of those people who was thrown off the voter rolls in that big scandal in 2016. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I re-registered. I know where I'm registered. This is my voting address, because I always tell people, make sure you put your voting address, not where you currently live, if it's different. That's important. Um, and she was very confident about that. And so she's been disenfranchised before. And then not even 20 minutes later, I get this phone call saying, oh, you know, all these people are now disenfranchised. 
she probably doesn't know that yet. But again, no one has said a word about it. Yeah, I mean, and and when voters do find out that further erodes their faith in government, I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I wanted to get this person on the ballot. Why shouldn't my signature count anymore? It was valid when I had signed it. Now suddenly that changes. Why? Should yeah, and it? the worst part is the the district district 14 remains almost completely unchanged. It's pretty much what it was, you know, before they started the redistricting. It's very close to what it was uh, under the the, the maps that uh, you know that were determined to be unconstitutional. It's, it's pretty darn close. Uh, a few parts were removed. I would estimate that if the new map is the new map, at least 85% of the signatures I gathered are from people who are still within the new district. But it's not a matter of are they in the district. It's a matter mm. of the new election calendar says that third parties start on May 21st. Therefore, any petition dated before May 21st is invalid. It's before the petitioning period, even though we were told that it began on April 19th, and it began on April 19th. It's not like they said, oh, wait, don't do it, don't start the day before. In the middle of it is when they said, oh, yeah. okay, we have, we're going to start again. Uh, I wouldn't have been out, you know, April 27th when, when they struck him down through May 11th. Had there been any guidance saying, hey, we're going to have you start all over again later, just hold off. But there was none of that. And we asked for guidance. We, we, we filed to intervene, and we were denied. Um, so we were given no guidance, and then we were just, you know, just, just totally shocked by by how they ended up handling this. Yeah, because like we, we knew something like this could be like the the districts changing could be coming, right? Like you know we we read yep. the news about that. We've talked about that. So like they had to have, uh, well, obviously they didn't have to, have, but they should have come up with a plan for like what is the right way to proceed for these candidates who are still petitioning. Like that's just incompetence on the part of of the state and the board of elections yeah. to be able to to handle what they knew was going to be a problem. And, and it's so frustrating because I'm here complaining about this, but really it, it is kind of monumental that these courts struck down these maps. I don't think anyone expected it, and it was the right decision. They were clearly gerrymandered. New York 14 didn't really change at all, but, I mean, the, the district were clearly gerrymandered. So it's one of those examples where, like, the right decision, like, okay, good, we're all applauding it, but then somehow, again, the bad deeds of the duopoly end up coming back to harm, not them. They actually get a benefit from it. Uh, it comes out to harm third parties, and it's just always very convenient that it works out that way. Yeah, fun, fun, funny how it happens. To yeah, weird. yeah, I wouldn't expect that. No, I'm. I know, like I, I've certainly been around long enough to to know, like, okay, we've got to prepare. How is how are people going to mess with the, uh, our petition signatures again? Something to keep in mind, folks, too. Like, you know, J- Johnson's throwing out numbers like he needs thirty five hundred signatures. You don't really need thirty five hundred signatures. You need like almost yeah. double that because the yeah. Republicans and Democrats will also challenge those signatures too. They'll say, oh, that one's not real. Oh, that address is off. That town is off. And they'll throw out. Tons and tons and tons of signatures that are completely legit, but you know it's up to you to remedy those signatures if there's something off about the uh, the petition signing process. So yep. even if you if you don't fill it out exactly right, it might not count. Yeah, and look, after I would go out, you know, after work or on days that I took off or on the weekend after I would get back, I would go through and I would be checking each of these addresses. I would put it into the voter database. I would check it. I would be like, oh, they forgot to put this. Let me add that. And I would initial it. And, you know, I, would, I, I was going through and doing all of this, uh, you know, in addition to standing out there for hours and hours and hours getting all these signatures. You know, th- this was a very important part of it. You're right. It's a very complicated thing. You want to make sure they're all accurate so they can throw out as few as possible. Uh, and look, I don't think I was going to get 7,000. I wanted 7,000. But I, I was, based on my calculations and the way I had events planned and my time planned, I 
fully expected to get 4,000 at very mm. least. I fully expected that because I had all this time. I, I'm off today. Uh, I ended up stepping into court for an emergency, but I'm, I'm off today because I had planned it off so I could be out petitioning today. And same thing with all of last week, most of this week, and, and next week. Like All of this was pre-planned, and it's not something I can you know, change at this point. Uh, you know, maybe I won't take a, a vacation day, but like I still have to be in court in June, uh, throughout all of June when this new petitioning period is. Uh, now, I know I'm, re- I'm repeating myself here, but it is, it is a monumentally frustrating thing. I just want to tell one quick story. My yeah. mother-in-law, I got married a year ago in two days. Uh, it will be my, my anniversary. My mother-in-law is this sweet woman. She's from China. English is not her first language. And she has been going out petitioning for me on her own, like not even like meeting up with our group, like going out to friends that she knows lives in the district, getting petitions, going door to door, going to coworkers, all this stuff. And on Mother's Day, she showed up with a stack of 100 petitions that she had gotten for me. And wow. on the day that all these were thrown out, she actually came out and petitioned with us. And she was there. And I got the phone call, and I had to tell her, like, look, I, thank you so much, but, like, all these are now invalid. Wow. Like, it, and it, it's just heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking That's to awful. do. And, and it, it, I'm sure every candidate out there is running third party has some story like that. Absolutely. All right. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us, and, and good luck with this. We're going to be following this case closely to see you know what happens. Uh does New York State, do the courts do the right thing here? Do they offer any remedy? Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, folks. We're going to be back with more from A Free Solution in just a few minutes. Talk to you soon. New York used to represent innovation, growth, and opportunity, but we're losing that edge to the highest tax burden, the worst business climate, and the most restrictions on freedom. Larry Sharp is running for governor again in 2022. We need 45,000 signatures in May from any New York registered voters for Larry Sharp to get on voters' ballots in November. Go to LarrySharp.com, Sharp with an E, to download petitions. Meet Larry at Nashville's in Henrietta on May 20th, 5 to 8 p.m. Larry Sharp for governor. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, we're live here on WYSL until 2 p.m. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000 if you want to participate in the show and have anything to add to our previous discussion again thank you uh congressional candidate jonathan howe is running against uh aoc down in new york 14 as a libertarian and new york state completely unjustly messing with independent candidates libertarians greens others who are trying to get on the ballot right now i mean this uh, affects the you know um Anyone who's trying to get on a third-party ballot who's running in a district that is impacted by the Democrats gerrymandering, they're, they're completely trying to, to rig the uh, the process for themselves, justifying it because they say, oh, well, others have done it, so we, we can do it too. But completely, um, you know, jeopardizing the campaign efforts of the 
the candidates who have spent a lot of time getting them. Again, folks, if you've never done that, if you've never like gone out and collected signatures, Republican, Democrat, independent candidates, it, it, it's a bit of a slog. You know, it's it, it's not easy work. Um, it's slow. It's tedious many times, uh, and it takes a lot of work to get those signatures to get on the ballot. And especially if you're, you know, a third party candidate, getting <laughs> getting close. And then getting kicked off or having your signatures invalidated for reasons like this is just heartbreaking. And it's hard to have the motivation for volunteers, many volunteers, to go out and do it again. So hopefully anyone impacted by this, you know, either the the, the courts are going to do the right thing and offer, you know, some substantial form of relief for this. Or, you know, we'll, we'll I don't know, we'll have to find another way to, to, to bring this to the attention of the public, as Jonathan said, you know, it, you know, crafting a, a strategy to, to get this into more mainstream outlets. You know, besides here on WYSL, I'm trying to amplify the story where I can, but I hope other folks talk about this too, you know, and, and bring bring that story of how local candidates are hurt by a state decision. Um, well, anywho, so I do want to talk about a few other things today too. You know, I, I, I want to talk about the uh, the Department of Homeland Security Disinformation Governance Board. It, it looks like it may be going away. Uh, if we, we might spend the next two segments talking about that. But if we we get to it, might talk about some uh, school board election stuff too happening here locally. But first, we'll talk about the the uh, disinformation board stuff, right? So, uh, w- w- I haven't really covered this on the show yet, but you know, because <laughs> w- when it came out, I was I was sick and I, I didn't really have you know. Uh, the wherewithal to be able to, to talk about this, but the if you hadn't heard about it yet, the Department of Homeland Security, um, which you know, love to just abolish that all together, but the Department of Homeland Security uh, decided that they wanted to do something about misinformation, Russian misinformation, other uh, misinformation that they felt uh, could be uh, dangerous in some way. So they they were going to create this board to go after it, right, to to try to uh, analyze it, and and that's kind of as, as far as it went, right? Like, they didn't, they were a little bit vague about what their mission and their goals were. They, the rollout of this was just a little bit bizarre. When, when, they, when they announced it, you know, they're like, well, you know, again, it's to, to combat disinformation, uh, all right, sure. What does what does that mean? Um, and and you know, to quote the the uh, uh, official who who testified about this says to more effectively combat this threat of misinformation, not only to election security but to our homeland security. Uh, what, well, okay. Again, like how are they going to combat misinformation with other information? Are they going to take action against people who they determine are spreading misinformation? What does this look like when you roll out an agency that's vaguely Orwellian like this? You need to be very clear about what its purposes, powers, and limitations are. Because, like, immediately, like, again, I, I thought of this being like a Ministry of Truth type of thing. Like, like a, a lot of libertarians, conservatives went went to that. This is this is creepy. This is weird. Like, why do we need a disinformation governance board? And what can it actually do? What are its goals? And so they developed this thing, and they uh, 
they started rolling it out and they're, um, you know, they, they selected someone to head it as well. Uh, and it seemed like this was something that was rolling along, but the, the person that they, they chose to, to have lead this, um, and whose name is on the, what's the name? Uh, Nina Jankowitz, um, you know, was also coming under criticism as well because you know, she's some some of it's silly stuff, right? Like you might have seen like goofy TikToks and songs and stuff about disinformation, but but some of the the criticisms of this this person who you know has been subject to other harassment campaigns, I guess, in the past, which is part of what underlies her alleged expertise for this position. Uh, you know, she she was going around talking about how uh, we need to stop. The Russian disinformation coming out about the Hunter Biden laptop story. And I guess as we, we pointed out, there's a lot more truth to that than mainstream media and government officials want to admit. So if that's the type of discernment that this person is having, again, knowing what powers, limitations uh, and directives this agency has is incredibly important, you know, in in. In the mainstream media, you know, I, I saw this, this wild story from the, uh, the the Washington Post that came out today. It says how the Biden administration let right wing attacks derail its disinformation effort. Uh, and and so you, you you can look this up. It's allegedly journalism, but it, it's very clearly like an opinion piece. The way it's actually written, it's wild. Uh, I'll see if I can. Maybe I'll post a link in the the, the show comments. But y- you. You read about the story and they make it seem like, oh, it's just a bunch of fringe, hard right conservatives going after um, this individual. And, you know, no one's ever – the way it's written, no one's ever like, you know, gone after a figurehead like this before. They've gone after one figurehead and, you know, just polarized her and attacked her and, and found things to like mock her for and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm not going to excuse some of the legitimate threats of violence against her, but like – the criticism of her, it, it was, you know, it's it's, it's you, you when you when you end up putting yourself in a position of being in a government agency that people don't understand, that's valid criticism. That is how speech is supposed to work. It's not some right wing conspiracy to to go after an individual leading a shady and misunderstood government agency. Nor is that a tactic unique to the right. That's classic Alinskyite tactics. Find someone, polarize them, freeze them. Yeah, you, you pick you pick a figurehead to project everything wrong with whatever policy or agency or company you're going after. You pick a figurehead to do that. It's it's more effective that way. This isn't something unique to this particular moment in time. Again, not that all the criticism of her is you know valid or fair, but like the mocking her about singing stuff, sure. But the the criticism about you know how she might handle misinformation given her mistakes in assessing misinformation in the past is totally fair. So the a lot of media organizations I'm seeing, you know, and the the typical types of Washington Post types, right? They're, I'm seeing them like lament the destruction of this disinformation board uh, from a you know coordinated effort. Like again, maybe I mean if. If there were any coordinated effort other than people like roasting them for their gross incompetence and their lack of clarity, you know, 
great, but it seems like that's mostly what it is. It's government incompetence ran headlong into speech, criticizing that incompetence and criticizing their lack of clarity and criticizing their lack of expertise, and they deserve it. And I wish it happened to more agencies. I wish it happened to more departments within agencies that they would respond. The, the Biden administration responded by you know pausing efforts to roll. I wish that would happen so much more often that when running into criticism of their efforts, they would actually shut it down. Because, again, this didn't just come from the right, too. This is – there are people generally concerned on the, the left, right, center, libertarian, et cetera – about this, right? Because this doesn't. If you if you decide that you're going to have uh, a group that may or may not be assessing misinformation, disinformation that's out there in the online spaces, and then taking action against that, do you think that's going to be just limited to the original scope of the problem? Just Russian disinformation? Just whatever the, their target allegedly is? Of course not. They're going to start going after. Whatever group is out of favor within the current administration, and I always ask progressives to to consider this: What happens when your enemy gains control of this infrastructure that you've built, that has the ability to spy on and violate the civil liberties and take action against groups that maybe you're more comfortable with? Would you hand that to your worst enemy? And you'd think that after a Trump presidency, with the left being so absolutely freaked out by what Donald Trump represented, that they would then be more careful to give these agencies unlimited power to create these potentially Orwellian groups. But no, they're right back, right back to it, just assuming that they're going to stay in power forever. They've learned nothing about limiting the power of government and letting that power get into the hands of people they don't like. Not that Republicans have learned that lesson either. Thanks again, though, for joining us here on A Free Solution. When we come back again, we'll, we'll keep talking about this. Maybe we'll get to some local issues, too. If you want to participate in the show, give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Talk to you soon. WISL store is now open with nicer weather. Your car needs an official Voice of Liberty bumper sticker. There's a great selection to help you show your love of God, the Constitution, and free and safe schools. Here are just a few available. Shut up, Fauci. Kathy Hokum. Save America. Support the Second Amendment. Scam alert January 6th. God, please help us. Close the Mexican border. Save America. Stop voting for Democrats. And there are gas pump stickers reading Democrats did this. These are standard weather-resistant bumper stickers Guaranteed to get you horn honks and thumbs up in traffic. Choose from other locally made WISL Voice of Liberty merch too, like tees, hoodies, drinkware, and more. Perfect gifts for any Liberty lover. Check out the exclusive WISL Mount Worstmore shirts, hoodies, and coffee mugs depicting our four worst presidents. Guess who's front and center? Shop the WISL store at WISL1040.com. Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website there 
hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. There's a place in the village of Avon you and your critters will love. Whether they're big or small, whether they've got hair, fur, or feathers, Avon Feed fits every need. There's a full selection of pet foods, bird feeders, and wild bird food, plus garden tools, quality grass seed, and a great selection of dry-shod boots. Buy 10 bags of quality wild bird food, get the next bag free. Choose farm feeds and great equine products from Poland Grains. Find everything for your pet from feeding bowls to toys, leads, collars, beds, crates, and tie-outs. Avon Feed and Supply has with a big bag. Pet chain stores will never have Tim Cole and his great knowledgeable staff. Choose from premium local products like Firefly, Dairy, Goat, Soaps, and Lotions. While you're at Avon Feed, don't forget your two-legged pets with River at Thousand Island Cheese and great flavors, including the new 12-year-old cheddar, plus Chef James Bourbon Meat Sauce, once again, nut butters and Nunday mustards. Open weekdays 9 to 6, Saturday 9 to 4, Avon Feed and Supply. West Main Street at the bottom of the hill, just west of the circle. A free solution. All right. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson. It's your day. Thanks again for joining us right here on WYSL until 2 p.m. Another few minutes. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show. 585-346-3000. It's 585-346-3000. We'll talk about the Department of Homeland Security Disinformation Governance Board. Um, certainly one thing that we could talk about. Uh, you know, I do, I do want to shift gears a little bit because you know I'm again I'm hoping that that this disinformation governance board actually does go away um if if I'm looking at this from a perspective if I'm I'm looking at this from a perspective of like this is something that the government should or ought to be doing my goodness the professionals behind this need to do a better job at public relations it's it's absolutely a mess and again I don't think it's a good thing but they owe the american people some form of explanation uh, for what this is supposed to be and what it's supposed to do and how the liberties of average Americans are going to be protected and and whether or not there's going to be actual enforcement (laughs) related to what they consider disinformation and how they evaluate what they consider disinformation. If it's just an advisory board, well, okay, then it's merely a waste of money. Uh, if it's something taking action against individuals or companies, that's a whole, whole big deal. Um, you know, I, I do want to I want to talk about like something that's it's kind of breaking newish news, right? So uh, the the governor has uh, Governor Hochul has done a couple things um, and is in a conference think right now it might be wrapping up but uh did a couple things that she she sent a letter uh to the new york state attorney general um asking them to uh, asking her to investigate social media companies and their role in broadcasting amplifying and radicalizing the uh the buffalo uh shooter again i pointed this out on monday too it's wild like to for her to blame like twitch for broadcasting that uh, the video that this guy tried to, to put up, they took it down within two minutes. Like, again, I don't know how you expect 
to move any faster than that. Like that is that's very quick. That's pretty good. It's way better than like government action most of the time, right? It's 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 so so quick. Um and and again, is New York State or the is the New York State Attorney General, the governor, et cetera, gonna go after speech on these platforms? What ability do they have to do that? Uh we're we're continuing to see kind of the uh, attack on social media, the attack of uh, uh, speech on social media, not merely coming from the, the platforms, but also coming from the state itself. So what what role ought the government to have in policing the content on these platforms? Honestly, very little. And, and what ends up happening most of the time when someone is posting violent extremist content on especially mainstream platforms, but even less mainstream platforms, they do get reported to the police. It does happen. Like there, people are seeing something and saying something. Hey, this person ain't just talking about ideas. They're talking about hurting folks. Most people report that. Most people, most average people, even the radicals, they're saying, whoa, 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 I don't want to actually resort to violence here. They're reporting that stuff. Again, that's, that's, that does fall outside of the, the immediate threat aspect of it does fall outside of free speech. But most of it still falls within free speech. And, and Governor Hochul going on about, like, I'm a supporter of free speech, but. Is that phrase anything before but is nonsense? It's, it's not true. That's, uh, that's, that's why I, I, I want to watch this stuff really closely because I think that is, that is coming out again. We should and ought to do something about the bad ideas that this, this shooter had, that the radicalization that can happen to uh, desperate, usually young men. And Larry did a great show on this yesterday. These 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 desperate young men usually who attach themselves to radical and violent ideologies and end up doing terrible things, going after the ideas themselves of white supremacy, of replacement theory, of things like that. Yeah, worth doing. But I get worried when State policy gets involved, and there, you know, the the state of New York is now. And I'll I'll kind of read from some quotes. It says that she's signing an executive order to establish a new domestic terrorism unit. Interesting. That is going to be dete- uh, trained to detect, prevent, and address things like this. They're launching a threat management program. Uh, we'll see what that looks <coughs> what that looks like, and. And again, I, whenever whenever I hear these things, my ears perk up because she she had also said we're going to have a response that's similar to what we did after nine eleven. And I'm like, oh, I, I, we we did a lot of things after nine eleven, like create the Department of Homeland Security, for instance, that weren't good. They they violated the civil liberties of everyday Americans. They violated the civil liberties of of Muslims who were trying to practice peacefully. They violated uh, the the civil liberties of everyone. Immigrant citizen alike, and created these systems right for bloat and abuse. We're going to do that on a state level. We already have enough of bloat and abuse at the state level. We're going to double down on that. Now, uh, tread carefully here, and we're, we're going to have to watch. Again, we're going to have to watch this stuff because it isn't the 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 object of these. Uh, these government agencies, the, the 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 people being acted upon, isn't always the original target. It's not just going to be white supremacists 
uh, it's it's going to expand. It's going to creep for these Democrats who who talk about, well, we, you know, we stand with Black Lives Matter. We, you know, we, we want to uh, to have police reform. Again, what happens when you drastically expand surveillance and action of everyone in this state? Again, I, I don't know exactly what's going to, to come of this. All I'm saying is because this, this stuff is coming out right now, and I might have to wait until Monday to, to dive a little bit deeper into this. This stuff's coming out right now. But as I said in the last segment about Democrats who are building structures that they wouldn't want to have in the hands of people that they don't trust, of Republicans, this is what may happen with this too. We may end up with an infrastructure that ends up attacking the groups, the individuals that they claim to support, that they claim that they are protecting. Now, whenever you, you hand a weapon like this to government, there's going to be collateral damage. Again, I don't know exactly what this is going to look like. Maybe they don't even know exactly what this looks like yet. New York State isn't sure. Um, and they are also, like, interesting, uh, the governor is signing an executive order strengthening the red flag law. Don't know what that means yet. We're going to have to to look at that. Um, again, I wish I had more time in the show to, to do this. I'm kind of reading this stuff as it's coming in. We're going to see what uh, we're going to we're going to see what comes of this. I, I'm going to say the next couple of weeks, we're going to have to be very vigilant for violations of our civil liberties in the same way that people justly, I think, went after the concept of the disinformation governance board. We're going to have to do the same thing in New York State. If we want to fight for our rights, we want to fight for our liberties. Now it's time to do it. have to stand up and call them out. Thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. I will be back next week. Talk to you Monday. Have a great week, folks.